Say It Loud Network presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. Everyone's hair is different. Everyone's hair is beautiful. And we share certain techniques and we share certain tips, but there is beauty. So there is beauty in being you. There is beauty in your authenticity. There is beauty in taking it off. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Lauren Napier, founder of Lauren Napier Beauty, one of my all-time favorites. And before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Your feedback means so much to us. Please make sure you leave us a review and give us a five-star rating. All right, everyone. Lauren is the founder of Lauren Napier Beauty. A bona fide beauty expert, Lauren has worked with Oscar winners, music, and pop icons, indie film stars, silver screen legends, a Beatle, a Bond, and an American president. To date, Lauren's work has been seen in Vogue, Vanity Fair, Essence, and more magazines, also including her long-standing comedy institution, Saturday Night Live and Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. A natural approach to beauty made Lauren a standout in an era defined by skinny brows, layers of eyeshadow, and lots of lip liner. In 2014, Lauren launched her namesake brand with a tax refund and an American Express. Today, Lauren Napier Beauty is retailed in luxury retailers in 22 countries across the globe. Lauren has been outspoken as an advocate for women's rights and strengthening opportunities for Black women in business, as she has firsthand experience in navigating the startup journey. Lauren co-founded Consider Something Better, a $5 million initiative challenging corporations, conglomerates, and philanthropists to support the next generation of Black women-led businesses. Lauren, welcome to Business of the Beat. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. I know. This is this is going to be a fun one. And I have to start, oh my gosh, love your products. I literally keep them on the table by my bed. They are my go-to staple and they're just so beautifully packaged. Like it's like if I have to use anything, I want to use this beautiful silver luxurious and then it goes on my face and it's just fantastic. So thank you for being you and thank you for creating such a phenomenal product. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm always happy to hear that. I know that um, the end of the day comes and everyone's exhausted. So to know that I'm taking part in the wind down routine, which is the best part of the day, just makes me feel so happy. Exactly. And especially after it is, it becomes like such a great um, ritual and it just, and it feels good and it's non-stressful. 
And especially I, I, I'm so funny, which I know we all are, um, about our skincare products. So it just makes me feel good to end the day, like taking care of myself in such a good way that isn't stressful. Um, and that I can really do like just right before everything in. So I'm, I'm a huge fan. Um, so let's start with your journey. I, I am obsessed with founder stories and the journey and how we got here. And you, I just, I love reading about the tax refund and the American Express card, but tell us everything. Where did you grow up? Where do you live now? I want it all. Okay. So I was born in Las Vegas, which I don't know, maybe doesn't sound like a big deal now, but when I was a kid, kids weren't born in Las Vegas. People no, didn't I was live like, there. I don't they know just anyone who was born in Las Vegas actually. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, here's one. And my sister and I are two years apart and our social security numbers are like fifty numbers apart. So that just goes to show you like kids just weren't growing up there. Um, but it gave me and then I would I'll say this, then I was raised in Texas. So between being raised in Texas and and growing up partially in Las Vegas, they both have very specific identities, but also very specific relationships to beauty and appearance and what life looks like for for women. Um, and that totally informed my beauty perspective. Well, it's so interesting because I'm from Texas as well. And I know I can relate and I can see kind of the duality um, of kind of both of those areas and how it, it formed you. And how, so being kind of born, but then in Texas, and then the movement that you had, like, what was that like? And what was it like having a sister? I'm an only child, so I'm always intrigued. I was an only child until I was in college. So I'm intrigued with the two years apart. Well, you know, my sister and I are, um, I'm the smaller sister. I'm the older sister, but I'm the smaller sister. So all our lives, people just assumed that I was younger because I was shorter. Um, and so we have a fun relationship. I'm, I'm been visiting her basically like all our lives. We've shared clothes and beauty products until we outgrew each other. Um, and now I give her makeup, you know, brands and companies send me makeup and they send me skincare and they send me products and I find all these cool things. And I've always been the beauty skincare guru. Um, and so we share skincare tips and things like that. She is a very successful influencer and she is um, into fashion and she's got such a beautiful aesthetic and a beautiful eye. And so I raid her closet. So she raids my beauty <laughs> cabinet and I'm raiding her closet all the time. So between the two of us, we really got it all. Uh, and it's, it's fun because we are, we have different aesthetics, but, um, Somehow it always works. It always works. That's nice. I like to get like a complete look. (laughs) Absolutely. I like to say that she's the day and I'm the night. She's but vibrant, bright, airy, got this like sort of West Coast LA fashion vibe. And I'm like the deeper, darker, always wearing black in New York. I know. It's so funny, like being in California, because I spent so much of the beginning of my professional career 
in New York and like I dare to wear colors. So I'm kind of like the mix of your your sister's day and your night out here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk about so you're growing up, you are a makeup you become a makeup artist, right? And and you yeah. decide to create this brand. And I was reading about, you know, not being able to get a bank loan, which you know, one of the things I love a lot of things is I'm getting to know you, but I, you are so knowledgeable. You were so knowledgeable about black women, about our culture, about our community. And when I was reading about the denial of the bank loan, I mean, that's what plagues so many black founders from getting started. And you kind of went an opposite way. You took your tax refund, you took your American Express. Like, tell us about that decision, that journey and how it led you to really launch the brand. Absolutely. I think first and foremost, I think it's really unfortunate that this is a place where black women find themselves. What we know is that black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in the country and by extension in the world. And what we know is black women are creating businesses to solve problems, whether it's, you know, a type of food that they that they're not able to access or find, right? Some sort of cuisine, whether it's a uh there, we black women love plants, and there's this huge plant movement with with this community. We talk about uh, health, well-being, and then of course there's beauty, um, and also fashion, right? And so and and so many so many I guess you could call it genres in between, and we are just underserved, under acknowledged, and underrepresented. What also happens is we're lacking this generational wealth. And so in order to start businesses, we have to dig really deep into our own pockets and into our own resources. We do that. And once we start to grow these businesses, we need to scale these businesses. And in order to scale them, you need to have access to capital. Um, and it's, it's very challenging. Uh, I think banks and traditional lending just do not value, understand, appreciate the hurdles uh, and what it takes to start a business. And so that's where black women find themselves. And so that's what I did. I went into um, a Chase bank and I was working at Saturday Night Live. I had a thriving career as a makeup artist, um, was self-sustaining. Again, I bootstrapped my business and I explained my situation and I had my EIN, I had my tax documents, business, CBA, everything was there, set and ready to go. And the loan officer is like, yeah, I mean, you've got great credit and you've got fractions, but we just don't get your business. So we're not going to give you the loan, which I just couldn't understand because mm -hmm. what I know about this space is that so, and I think it's, you know, I, I didn't have collateral. Like I'm not a homeowner. I, I live in New York. I didn't have a car, things like that. Um, so it was just, it was just a challenge. Yeah. And at that yes. moment I realized, I remembered Robert Townsend um, did Hollywood shuffle. And I've since met him and I told him that this inspired me. And if he ever hears this or somebody who knows him hears this, I hope that um, he remembers me. I'm like waving hi, it's me telling you the story. <laughs> I'm, but here. <laughs> I'm here. You inspired me, but he did, you know, he was in the same place. You know, he wanted to make this movie and he couldn't make this movie. So he just got a bunch of credit cards and finances movies from credit cards. And I thought, well, I'll do the same thing. And that's essentially what I did. Now, I will say this. The loan officer at, at the bank um, asked me for tickets 
aspect of the show that I was working on. Wow. But denied me of the loan. So it was like such insult to injury. Um, but here we are today. And I just, I feel like there's something must be said about access to capital for black women, whether that's through traditional lending, through the SBA, or in the VC space. We have to take a look at this entrepreneur, this woman, um, who is, what I would say is, who's got these great ideas. And she actually is someone that you would invest in because she, she can do it all. And she does do it all. Exactly. And she proves her dedication and her passion and the space in the market. She's claimed it all. Now she just needs the capital to thrive. So. Yes. I, I'm just like, preach, preach, preach. It is, there's so many things that you said in terms of the generational wealth and what we're creating and that pipeline and that traction. And even just our ability as Black women, I think that's been kind of what we've seen in history, what we know is this survival and getting it mm-hmm. done and we aren't going to quit. And I, you know, I was reading too, in terms of having to work, you know, a 10 times harder, sometimes even more than that to get to the same end goal. And I think yeah. there, you know, you and I share this, this passion. I think, you know, my, one of the projects that I'm getting ready to announce is this founder studio to really help founders. It's, it's just, it's, it's not just the access and the education. It really is the access to capital. And there's so much capital for so many things. And I think collectively, we all have to be pushing that same narrative and that same opportunity because without the capital, the ideas are just there. And we're having to work so hard to bring the ideas that we know are going to be supportive and are going to help and are actually going to build and boost our economy across the board. And it's like just that uphill battle to do it. And, and I love how you said like, like claiming it, right? Like we have to claim it and we have to move and you created consider something better. And I think it's, you know, it's about we're saying it, but how do we do it? And so talk about that. I mean, congratulations on starting that. I, I was reading everything about Hennessy and the grants that you're giving. Tell, talk about how you started that. Yeah, so my co-founder and I, Whitney Brown, uh, founded Consider Something Better during COVID. And what we were seeing was that, um, you know, small businesses were suffering. Well, Black women-led businesses are already underfunded, so they were going to have even more of an uphill climb. Well, we know that SBA gives less than 1% of their grants to Black women. Uh, black women do not receive funding. Um, what is it's like within one year, we don't get the traditional bank loans, even if our businesses are doing well. And then there's the massive disparities within the VC space. So we decided to create this initiative to help uh, bring awareness to this issue and make sure that companies and corporations are honoring the fiduciary responsibility to give back to these same, uh, this same demographic that has a trillion dollars spend in this country, but doesn't receive equitable investment in return. And so far, uh, we have we have been consulting and working with just phenomenal corporations uh, who do have the intention of of moving the needle and dialing it forward. So we're working with LVMH and Hennessy and Hennessy is work has a program called Never Stop, Never Settle. 
they are giving out, or I should say awarding grants to Black-owned businesses. And because we are focused on Black women, we wanted to ensure that there was equity. So consider something better is working in partnership with Hennessy and Never Stop, Never Settle to make sure that 50% of those grants are awarded to Black women-led businesses. That is, it's phenomenal. And I love, I love what's, what's come out of COVID in terms of helping and supporting and brands stepping up. And I always feel like the brands, I know there's so much to be said about what's the role that brands play in society, <laughs> in racial, racial conversations, in supporting outside of just the products that they sell. And we have to, one, like give them grace, right? But two, yep. we, they have to be responsible and they have to be accountable, right? And especially when we look at how much they're spending on advertising and the role that that plays and where we are today. And so I, I love this call to action. It's, you know, it's the 15% pledge. It's just like, yeah. you no longer get to take our money and then not so back into what we're building and what we've provided and the community that we have put together for you to sell products into. And how did you, like, as you guys were, were even looking at it and the brands, what was your journey like with, with the brands? Well, I will say this is, you know, it's not, it's not an easy process. It's a complicated feat because uh, the brands don't know exactly. They, they know the customers out there. They know this person is out there. They recognize the disparity, but um, putting programming in place and creating programming that supports this person, supports this, this group of people, it's complicated. So the first step mm -hmm. I'm finding is that all of these large corporations are now creating uh, more, uh, I would say, hardy uh, DNI uh, um, segments in their corporations, right? Making sure that that uh, that that they're taking a, a better look. So it's it's it, the companies are now taking time to restructure and to create a space that acknowledges uh, that acknowledges what's happening in this community and and how to reinvest and reallocate funds and, and contribute and be part of the solution versus ignoring the problem. It's taking time, but I do see as we continue to consult and work with, with these corporations and conglomerates that it is changing, but it's a, it's a slow crawl. I mean, listen, we know that slavery ended 400 years ago and we're just now acknowledging the disparities. So we've got a long way to go. <laughs> like, imagine that, imagine that. Yes. And, and one of the things too, that I, I'm, I'm excited about is you're right. We have a long way to go. We've come a long way. And I think even you personally, just in terms of your growth and evolution and getting to the place where you are with your brand. I mean, one of the things that I love is especially because you were so rooted in culture. I mean, makeup artists, MTV, like you talk about Jimmy Fallon. And one of the things that you said that I, I really loved was you were like, we're in a cultural, culture obsessed. We are a culture obsessed with perfection. I right. see beauty in informal moments. We all want to feel comfortable and confident with what lies beneath. There's beauty in taking it off. 
And I love that because when we talk about the journey and we talk about the purpose and we talk about, you know, acknowledging kind of where we are and also figuring out like, what's the need? What's the white space? What can we bring to the to market and what can we bring to the table as black women and as black founders? And this beauty and taking it off, it is so, it's so genius and it's so smart and it's so unexpected. So talk about kind of how you coined that phrase, how you found this white space and how you kind of acknowledged within yourself that you wanted to take the journey of creating a brand. Well, I think, especially being a makeup artist, I would experience this with so much of the talent that I would work with every day. They would come into my chair, they would sit down and they would say something that was really self-deprecating. Whether it was a man or a woman, whether it was like an EGOT winner and, you know, Academy Award winner, whoever it was that sat in my chair or just the everyday woman. And they would, they would say like, oh, I wish you could come to my house every day. And they would be so exasperated and <laughs> animated about how much they disliked their appearance. And it, it really was disheartening to me. Um, you know, I was a late bloomer. And I, um, as a kid, really had to embrace what was different about me um, and, and embrace my individuality. Luckily, I grew up in a time before there was social media and before there were the pressures. But they exist now. And and I would, I would see this, this level of exasperation. And like I said, it was disheartening. Made me feel really sad. And then at the end of the day, the same talent would circle back. They'd come sit in my chair and they'd be ready to have their makeup removed, just like every woman. You know, you get home, you kick off your shoes, you kick off the bra, you, you just do your unwind process. And it, a double entendre just came to me, right? It was like, wow, there was the moment where I think everyone feels really great when they're taking their makeup off. And I just wanted to make sure that people felt good about themselves in that moment because there is beauty in taking it off and there is beauty in embracing your faith and your individuality. And I feel that we're lacking that right now culturally with when I look at baking, when I look at contouring, when I look at... Um, all of the, the techniques that so many people, um, especially black women, are using to create and chisel and carve out their face to have these very Eurocentric features. We already have that. We already have natural highlights in our cheeks reflecting from our skin. There's no reason to, mm -hmm. to elevate, not to elevate that, but to carve and chisel that out. There's no reason to... Slend, make your nose look more slender so that it fits a, a certain aesthetic. Like embrace your beauty and your individuality and, and what it is that everyone else is trying to capture. The fullness of your lips, the fullness of your face. I mean, the glow in our skin. That's what highlighter is, you know? I mean, it looks beautiful. <laughs> right. And I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to make it seem like I am criticizing people individually. I'm generalizing what's happening in the beauty space and it's easy to generalize, but I, I, my hope is that people start to embrace their individuality and I'm starting to see that, you know, that's what the natural hair movement is. Everyone's hair is different. Everyone's hair is beautiful and we share certain techniques and we share certain tips, but there is beauty. So there is beauty in being you. 
there is beauty in your authenticity. There is beauty in taking it off. Oh my God. I, I love that. And I think that it's been so interesting just over this time, right? I, I remember a time when I wouldn't go into the, I would not step foot in the office without, especially in New York, like changing my shoes. I always had on makeup, like always ready to go. And this like vulnerable place of being at home and being like, why am I putting on a full face um, to sit here and like really being comfortable with taking it off and being natural and being confident in it and still like loving makeup. I mean, I love, I love makeup and finding like that balance where you have this moment and there's beauty in it and there's beauty in you and there's beauty in in natural features and being comfortable in our own skin. And that's where I, I just, I love that there's beauty in taking it off because people sometimes get, you know, so caught up or they're hiding behind different things. And if we've learned anything, it's that, you know, we can't, we can't hide from our true selves and we have to love and embrace that so that we can like continue and we can stay in positive states and we can support those around us. I agree. And I, I want to say this too, because I think two things can be true at once, right? You can love beauty and you can love yourself. You can love wearing makeup and you can love your natural state. I experienced both of those as well. And I would be remiss if I didn't say that I've created an entire career by altering and enhancing and changing people's appearances. So again, I want to say like, it's not a criticism. It's just an acknowledgement of, of, the duality that exists. Well, and I think it's such an art. Like, I think the beauty in that is that there's this romanticism, there's this fantasy, there's, you know, that that's, it's always fun to kind of create this version of you or to use it as like self-expression or to get dressed up and to go out. And I think that that's the joy of, of beauty and or, or I should say in makeup in terms of this mm -hmm. escapism. And it's like, I, I love, I remember I was trying to get a job um, at Mac when I was like coming out of college and I was all set. I was going to, you know, I had my job as a publicist at Fleischman and I was like, I want to work at Mac. I love makeup. And like, I could not get a job there to save my life. Oh, and it was man. like, that was just not my talent. It was just not my talent. But it, there is just something so special about being able to transform and using these tools and these colors. And like, it's just such a beautiful thing. And it's such a, a skill um, to have that creative vibe. So I understand the duality of it. And I understand the gift of being able to use makeup to, to transform, you know, when used in the, into your point the right way. Well, and I think, too, you touched on something, and this is something that I often say, is that there's a ceremony when we are, there's a ceremony that takes place when we're applying makeup. You know, you're getting ready with your friends. It happens before your wedding. It happens before you go out. It's like a ritual. But there's nothing that really celebrates you taking it all off. So that is something that I put into Lauren Napier Beauty and into uh, all of the collections of white because I wanted there to be some celebration, some ceremony, something that makes you feel good about taking it off. It's so smart. It's so smart. So let's talk about um, mentorship 
and education and you know it plays into just your your whole brand and what you're building and you are part of beauty united um which we talked a bit about before and moja and i started beauty united really just trying to provide a sense of bringing our community together and realizing that everyone was trying to kind of navigate COVID. It was, it was literally like, oh my gosh, we've got to support. We've got to get our beauty products in the hands of frontline responders. And that's how we started. And it grew into this really, um, you know, beautiful mentorship program. And you have been part of the program. And I always, you know, I just, I, and we were talking about it, like I credit you for, showing up for getting the most out of the program. It's like we can put things in place, but everyone has to come and put their best, you know, foot forward and be vulnerable. And as entrepreneurs, it's always hard for us to ask for help. I think that's like the number one thing, entrepreneurs asking for help. But talk about mentorship. You know, we all play the role at, at various stages of our career of being mentors of being mentees, um, being champions and allies. Like, what advice do you have to those who are maybe looking to find a mentee or trying to just navigate and figure out where to find a source of help or how to get help? Well, first and foremost, I would say don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why I've had the success that I've had is because I'm not embarrassed about not knowing what I don't know. You don't know everything. And in order to have a stronger business, in order to be a better founder, uh, or more successful founder, then you've got to be able to ask the questions. And I think, especially for black women, we are taught that we have to be strong and we have learned that we've got to be problem solvers. And that vulnerability is a place that is not full. So it's hard to ask for help. It's hard to say that we don't, you know, we're unfamiliar with a subject or a topic for, for a lot of us. And in areas in my life, I experienced that. But I've always wanted my business to be successful. Therefore, I have openly said, hey, I'm not, I'm not the expert here. Um, if you want me to do a prosthetic nose, then yeah, sure, fine. I can do that. <laughs> you know, if, I, if you want me to do a special effect, we got it. But, you know, help me flesh out this business plan. That's a whole other story, you know. And so uh, I, I was open to that. And again, I think that's why I've had some of the successes that I've had. And I think I think founders should not be afraid to say, I don't know, and to not be afraid to ask for help and support. It's literally it's like it's one of my mantras, my um, my, my company that I started Brain Trust. That was literally out of everything that it was born out of everything that you just said. Like I was very much like. I don't want to be the smartest person here. I know what I know and I don't know everything. And I want to just have smart people around me who know all of the things and who can fill in the gaps. And I want to work with people that I trust. And that's why like I, I named my company that because I think that we, we have to have self-awareness and know that we cannot do it all ourselves. And that building that community, asking for help, like, it all plays into the overall success that we can have, but fundamentally the overall success that we can bring to others, right? Because we don't ever just want to be standing in success by ourselves, right? I completely agree with what with everything that you're saying. And I've always I'm, just found it yeah. to be really important to bring people bring people along with you. Once you've yes. 
once you've achieved it, once you've got information, once you've got knowledge, there's no harm in sharing that knowledge and sharing that information. You know, what someone else does with it is, is, is should be empowering to you and to them. Well, and I think too, that that's what we talk about. Like the beauty of Beauty United is we brought all of these brands and founders together who would normally not be sharing, you know, trade secrets or who would normally not be getting on, you know, and having Zooms together. And this is what happened with me and how, you know, how can I help you? And it is, it's like they're there are always going to be, you know, other products and we have to share. And it's exactly what you said. Like we could all have the same chemist. That doesn't mean that we're all going to come up with the same tagline, the same final formulation, the same brands, but we have to share information and we have to support each other because it's all for the greater good. As we move forward, everyone has to move forward with us. Okay, so my sister was telling me in this time of like angst and stress that when you go to the grocery store, there's hundreds of different types of bread. It's all bread, but there's different bread for different people. And so focus on what you know, focus on your why, and make your own bread. Build your own bakery. And I think, you know, that's, I think that's what happens. I think people get a little bit scared of what's, what they feel is proprietary and they, they stop sharing what's valuable and what's important, not realizing that they've got their own point of view and perspective and no one can take that away. That is, that's phenomenal. It's so true. Build your own bakery. Yes, indeed. And we all have our own strength and our own direction and our own like special piece that makes us us. I love that. Build your own bakery. Um, and as we start to wrap things up, um, I know we're getting close on time. So what are you, what are you excited about? Like, what are you excited about for the future of the brands, um, for your projects? Like what's, what's next? Well, I want to say to everyone that COVID was a really challenging time for Lauren Napier Beauty. Um, our issues with um, supply chain started in 2019. Many other calamitous things happened with Lauren Napier Beauty. The memoirs will come out one day and I'll tell you all about <laughs> it. But all is not, all is not lost. In all of this time of chaos and stress and turmoil and tumult, I actually came up with the next generation of Lauren Napier Beauty. And what's to come is just so exciting. Um, like I can barely contain myself to talk about it. So everyone who's been cheering and championing, just know that what is coming is so much. It's, I don't want to say so much more, but it is exciting. It's like a thrill and it's going to blow your hair back. So get ready. Get ready. <laughs> I love that. Blow my hair back. <laughs> that's it. I mean, the oh excitement, I mean, I just can barely contain myself. It's so exciting. Oh my gosh, we're going to be cheering you on and waiting on the sidelines and just watching and watching and watching. And with you, I know it's just going to be um, absolutely phenomenal. And we always like to close out the show. So this is fun. So we always like to close out with one brand that you're excited about. And of course, we're giving snaps to Lauren Napier and, and we are excited. And that can be your brand. If there's another brand that you want to shout out or give love to, we always just like to kind of provide a, a source or new ideas or new brands for our listeners to, to check out. 
There are some brands that I'm really, really in love with. I am so, and I'm, that I'm really excited for. I am so excited for I am Nicole. Um, the Yay! founder is, yes, yes we are so excited for Jada. I know I could not be more excited for, for what she's bringing to the beauty space. I am in love with Ode to Self. Um, it's a skincare brand, such a beautiful perspective and point of view there. I, I mean, there's so many brands that are out there that have a unique point of view and perspective. And I, I just, that's just two. I could rattle off a list of, of, of brands. I mean, everything from like, gosh, fashion. I'm, it's summer right now. So I'm obsessing over Riot Swim. Getting my body together. I love Love Scrub. It's like this exfoliating mesh cleanser. I mean, it's, it just makes my skin glow. You got to have that in your life. I'm, I mean, um, who else? <laughs> like all of it. <laughs> all of it. There's just so much goodness that's out there. And, and again, it's, it's like a time where, where women have these, the ability to really tell their story, their brand story why you need this product, why, why it's for you and why they've created it. And, and I'm just, I could, I'm so excited. I'm almost lost for words, which rarely happens to me, but, (laughs) but the level of excitement that I have for these new perspectives in the beauty space is just, it's just thrilling. And I can't wait to see everyone's success. I'm a cheerleader for, for women and I am especially a cheerleader for black women, uh, you know, business owners. So I'm, I'm just over the top excited for what's to come. Lauren, thank you so much for your insights, your wisdom, and for your enthusiasm, just encouraging us to always support each other and to continue to sew back into our community. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. And thanks to Lauren, make sure to follow at Riot Swim. That's at Riot Swim. Perfect as we go into the summer. And as always, I want to leave you with one thing from today's guest, and that's how will you build your own bakery? Focus on what you love, focus on what you believe in, and build your own bakery. So follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode. And while you're at it, leave us a review. We appreciate your feedback. Until next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and Celessa Baker. Edited by Fishmar Creative. Executive producers Ken Johnson, Andrew Kalb, and Omar Thompson. Find Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon, Radio.com, or where you get your podcasts. Please follow, subscribe, and rate us. Business of the Beat is a Say It Loud Network production.